There's another squad attacking. Welcome to the third party and Apex Legends podcast hosted by myself, Shay, and joined as always by my co-host, Henry. Henry, how you doing today? Doing really well. You know, we haven't done a story time episode like this in a long, long time, so I'm looking forward to it. No doubt. Today's episode is sponsored by Hero.fm, and today we are exploring the lore behind each released heirloom. If you like lore and enjoy this kind of episode, please let us know in Instagram comments or through Discord, uh, because we can certainly do more of these styles of episodes, and they're really enjoyable to do. We love talking about the lore, but it is definitely about as in-depth as we can go into the Apex universe as possible. Before we do any of that, though, make sure you join the third-party nation and help to continue to build the incredible community by supporting us on Patreon. If you do, you could be listening to this episode earlier than anyone else. That's pretty cool. There's also additional benefits like ad-free listening, exclusive merch, gaming sessions with us, and so, so much more. Today, we're talking heirlooms. Essentially, what we're going to do is we're going to go through the backstory of each heirloom in chronological order of their release, then discuss kind of our thoughts on the heirloom as well as its impact on the lore. So if you've missed a story from the Outlands or maybe you haven't been up on every single comic, we're going to try to give a pretty uh, comprehensive breakdown of each individual story behind what does this heirloom mean for the character and potentially the rest of the legends as well. Hopefully, if you are unfamiliar with the lore, this is enjoyable. And hopefully, if you're a total awesome lore nerd like the two of us, uh, this will either be a nice reminder or maybe you'll even find out something new as well. It's always fun to talk about the lore of this universe. Before we dive into the first one, let's lead with the what everyone's probably thinking that hasn't heard us in a while. Henry, do you have any heirlooms yourself? Nope. We're talking about heirlooms, but I do not have any heirlooms. I got the Wraith one on Xbox a long time ago. Nothing on PC. Can I still pitch this level 500? We all get an heirloom idea. Do you think we can get that approved anytime soon at all? We we should start a poll because (laughs) there's some sort of petition. Yes. Yeah, a petition. Level 500 equals heirloom. It's brutal. It's brutal out here. I mean, what do you do if we. Level 500 equals heirloom, and then uh, we're immediately on our PC accounts, which are 400 levels away about. That'd be tough scenes, I think. Trying to put in some work. Putting in some work. Okay, we're going to start off with Wraith's heirloom, the kunai. From the first story from the Islands video, we learned that Wraith received the kunai blade from her phase walker self. Wraith's heirloom is hand-in-hand with her origin story where a version of herself from the void returns to Singh Labs where Renee Blaisley, Wraith, worked with Dr. Amir Singh on Project Wraith before having experiments turned on herself becoming Wraith. As the void walker, Wraith returns to the lab for revenge. She notices a version of herself being experimented on and after attempting to warn herself through the void, that's the lore behind her passive ability in-game, which is so cool, the void walker gives the kunai to Renee after freeing her. Our Wraith then has the opportunity to kill a scientist, but instead goes the route of seeking answers. She escapes the facility to find herself in the center of the future Apex games in King's Canyon. Henry, what are some of your thoughts on the kunai, the one that started it all for the heirloom scene? 
it, the story behind it's really, really cool. And I mean, the animation and the stories have definitely progressed over time. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one is so awesome because not only did it introduce an heirloom, which is very cool, but it also not only explained the abilities of Wraith, but also started unraveling her background, which is mm-hmm. really, really cool. So I love that there's multiple wraiths across different dimensions using portals. That's her passive. And then she's not a killer. She's kind of lost. She doesn't know who she is. And over time, we've learned so much more about her that, you know, she she was a scientist. She was a pilot. There's all these different things that we never really knew uh, before her heirloom that wraith was all these things. Yeah, it was so cool to see this because this is at the time when there was no heirloom shop. You know, this is at the very beginning of the game. People kind of didn't even know that heirlooms were a thing for a long time. I think I found out from a YouTube video. Like, you just, you wouldn't have known. If you downloaded the game at the beginning and were just opening packs, you wouldn't know unless you'd opened one. And the kunai being the first one, everyone was freaking out. Did it lead to the wraith being the main for the sweats at the very beginning of the game that spent all the money to make sure they got an heirloom? Who knows? But there is a chance in non-Apex universe lore. (laughs) That's a good take. The next heirloom is for Bloodhound, Raven's Bite. And the story of their heirloom comes from the story from the Outlands, Old Ways. The Tomahawk, or Raven's Bite, was given to Bloodhound by their uncle Arctur in order to complete a rite of passage challenge to slay a Prowler. This plan takes a turn when Bloodhound discovers the Prowler already slayed by something much bigger. On the hunt for this much larger beast, they stumble into a cave where they not only find a massive beast, but also a charge rifle. After using the charge rifle to injure the beast and remove its tusk, Bloodhound returns the tomahawk and tusk to their uncle. Arctur disapproves, since it was clear the Bloodhound did not use the axe, but instead used advanced technology instead, which killed many of the tribe, including Bloodhound's father. Drama there. The Mm. beast then invades the village, and Arctur attempts to slay the beast with Raven's Bite with no avail, getting himself killed in the process. Bloodhound then takes up the challenge to avenge their uncle, and with the help of Arctur's Raven identifies pipes in the beast's lair that, when hit, release cryogenic gas. This gas froze the beast, but also left Bloodhound with permanent damage to their face and lungs, requiring them to wear a respirator. Bloodhound finished off the beast with Raven Spite, combining tradition and technology to overcome their obstacles. This was such a great one. And honestly, I think you and I are on the same page. We think this is one of the coolest looking heirlooms of all of them. They're all great. They're all awesome. But this axe, oh my goodness, does it go hard on another level. It's so sleek. It's so sleek. The lore is so great, though, because this came at the same time when our stories from the Outland kind of was really directly answering some questions about World's Edge for us for the first time. And that was another very interesting aspect that coincided with this heirloom's introduction. And so it was kind of cool to identify that as a turning point for potentially map lore along with the heirlooms themselves. Yeah, I mean, understanding more about Bloodhound's backstory with the release of this video and heirloom, I really enjoyed. And I think that this story 
gives you the reason that there's ravens and, you know, this idea of this is a technological tracker using old traditions, but also very eager and willing to embrace new technology. It fits right into their story and their abilities. I really love the heirloom and the story behind it. Let's talk Octane now, the butterfly knife. Octane's heirloom is a perfect representation of his personality. A butterfly knife is a high adrenaline tool that is often mastered because of its shock and awe performance. Those that have butterfly knives use it to push the boundaries and seek attention, normally thrill seekers. The other side to Octane's heirloom is that the knife is also a vessel for Octavio's stem. The injection is manufactured by the Octane's family business, Silva Pharmaceuticals, and is used by Octane to run fast and get an edge in the Apex games. However, it is clear based on animations of the heirloom that Octane has developed quite an addiction to the stem based on his use of a small amount to not run fast in the games, but just to feel good. And we've seen that a lot in lore as well now. We can also see that Octane is very hyper and twitchy in the loading screens and cinematics, leading us to believe that Octane has some sort of dependency on the stimulant he uses in the games, which is a side of the Daredevil we rarely see uh, and another tough side that could be explored in future lore and a pretty uh, deep, deep uh, pathway I think we're going. Yeah, this idea that Octane is an addict is a pretty maybe depressing subject, but given the fact that Respawn embraces diversity, they want to show a lot of different stories, I think that it's a great story to tell, that this is Octane, they're always trying to push the limits, they're going for that next thrill, and that has unfortunately put them in a state of dependency of a substance. Hate to see it, and this heirloom is really what started that conversation. It With these animations and the story that comes with it, we see that side a little more clearly that Octane isn't all happy-go-lucky all the time, um, that there is this kind of reliance on this drug. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting thing to see. Uh, In terms of animations, though, it's up there as well. I think this one came in and honestly wasn't loved for some reason by people. And then a couple months later, everyone kind of realized how freaking cool this stim was. The detail put into this with that kind of stim function, as well as the butterfly knife effect in of itself, was absolutely amazing. It fits Octane character, as we said. I'm really excited to see if we get more maybe future lore into the gifting of this to him or the personal creation of it in the future. Because we get it in stories from the Outlands most of the times and we haven't gotten like a big one for Octane himself yet. That's right. Another legend that we haven't gotten a ton about the backstory of the heirloom is Lifeline and her shock sticks. We do know, however, the origin of Lifeline's drumstick defibrillator heirloom may come from her past as the drummer in the band The Flyer Liars. We don't know for certain if these sticks were given to her by someone or if she was able to develop them on her own, given the resources her family possesses as war profiteers. We do know that Lifeline loves to have a good time and help others as a volunteer in the Frontier Corps, so much so that she donates all of her winnings to the charity organization. That's why she plays in the Apex Games, and we have to respect her for that. I mean, the Pathfinder's Quest was the first time we ever had even an idea of where Lifeline's kind of lore for this heirloom came from. I believe the wording in uh, the book is that she picked up the sticks 
and then like started playing. And mm-hmm. so it's like, well, were those the same sticks that she's now using, but modified or were they an inspiration? Is that just what kind of where the love for drumming came from? I think there's a lot to still explore. This is a really cool one, though. I know you were talking about if you had pulled an heirloom, you would have really strongly considered lifelines for a while because you were maining lifeline as well at the time. Yeah, I mean, it's such a unique one. And I think that even though we don't know a ton about the exact manufacturing of this heirloom, it looks really cool. And it's okay for that to be the impetus of its creation. Um, So yeah, I was strongly considering lifelines if I did pull one back in the day, uh, just because how unique it is. It's not just a blade. It's got, you know, electricity. It's a musical instrument, not necessarily a weapon. So it's pretty cool. And it's got some shock factor. That's right. That's right. Let's talk about Mirage is now the trophy statue of himself. Too much wit. At first glance, this heirloom appears to be the epitome of vanity. Mirage carries around the golden statue of himself. It's also clear as day that this is likely not an official trophy as it was awarded to Mirage for being the best competitor in a battle royale based on skill, but mostly looks. Which is just so good. Not sure about that. However, there's another side to the backstory. Elliot's mom is Mirage's number one fan. According to in-game voice lines, heirloom inspects and Easter eggs previously located on Mirage Voyage, we know that his mother is experiencing severe memory loss. Nevertheless, it is also clear that his mom loves to see Mirage compete and win. And so by competing, he is making his mother proud, regardless of if she can remember him. It's also important to note that Mirage's mother pioneered holographic technology which Mirage uses in the Apex games, and Elliot would have not completed unless his mother gave her his blessing. Perhaps maybe this trophy is a way for his mom to remind her who he is. This is such an interesting one. I think uh, this is another one kind of similar to Octane, where it's like, oh, there's a lot of cool stuff in it, but there is kind of this roadmap to potentially having some serious deep meaning. I think it's really fun because this was one we saw in a trailer before a couple seasons before it actually ended up coming into the game and so it's cool to see like oh you got to be on the lookout early on we might have already seen someone else's and it's not as intuitive i think as loba's staff for loba's heirloom which i know a lot of people are like oh that'll be the one when it comes around you know yeah you definitely have to search for a little bit it's hard for me to beat around the bush on this one um you know I personally think that dementia, memory loss is the worst. Like we are so far away from a cure in our time and there are lots of great treatments, but it is just a bad way to go for the family and the individual suffering from it. And to see it be experienced by Mirage and his family is heartbreaking. And so have to acknowledge that. But on the other side, it's a hilarious heirloom that fits him so well. And so I do like this one a lot. And the inspects, I think, are some of the coolest uh, out of anyone. There's like confetti out of it. There's lots of different cool ones where he pulls a, a string on the back to have his voice that's pre-recorded come out. There's a lot of really cool stuff, including a pretty rare one that has a pork chop. Um, mm-hmm. So this one's very, very cool. We are big fans of this one, and that's not normal, it seems like, from in terms of the popularity. So if you pull your shards, though, buy Mirages. Yeah, 100% locked and loaded, obviously. Uh, before we continue with the remaining five heirlooms, though, we're going to take a quick break to hear from today's sponsor. 
Here.fm is a super easy to use streaming and video chat platform with a ton of creative and engaging features. While on Here.fm, you can insert GIFs and stickers, stream YouTube videos, play games, and even create drawing with your friends right on the screen. All the elements on screen are movable and customizable, so if you wanted to have a room that looks like King's Canyon or Mirage's Paradise Lounge, you can. Creating a room is simple and easy. All it takes is a Google Chrome web browser and you can grab custom URLs just for your personalized rooms. You can use here to hang out with friends, meet with study groups, create more interactive meetings, and chat with your fellow gamers in a much more visual way. We've been doing here.fm hangouts. Whenever we do, we love seeing all there. To join us, you just need to be in our Discord. We'll provide links there whenever we're going live at everyone when the time comes. Check out here.fm. Link in the description. Welcome back. Let's now get into Pathfinder's boxing gloves. Before he joined the Apex Games, Pathfinder had an insane life. As we ventured with him through the story of him finding his creator, we learned a lot. We've done a variety of episodes on the subject from the Pathfinder's Quest story recap to our breakdown of Pathfinder's in-game life we titled The Plight of Pathfinder, available to our patrons. But in the Season 7 Fight Night story from the Outlands, we learned that Pathfinder met a former police officer named Victor who also boxed alongside professional boxer Forge, who was killed by Revenant in Season 4. <laughs> Pathfinder admired Victor and learned a few moves from him as a friend. We then assume that before the Apex Games, Pathfinder had a stint as a professional boxer where these robotic gloves with classic Pathfinder animations laid into the wrist were commissioned for him. On Olympus, obviously, we also have an arena dedicated to Pathfinder's career as a boxer, so there's loads of evidence that this 1,000-pound robot can hang in the ring. And I would be scared to go up against a 1,000-pound robot in the ring, no doubt about it. This was an interesting heirloom because it was one of the earlier heirlooms in game in terms of when we got it versus when we got the lore. The lore came a long ways after the actual heirlooms introduced into the game. And so it was fun because there was a long time where people were kind of theorizing the lore. What is going to be the, and you know, boxing is kind of the go-to, obviously is a good assumption that we can make, but to see it wrapped into this whole Victor storyline and part of his quest to find who he was, was a really, really cool moment to kind of see them, whether they had it planned the entire time or used it as inspiration for the rest of the story. Uh, we don't exactly know. It's a cool one. I've always liked it. There's also been, you know, debate uh, from the pros of the top that this heirloom blocks a lot of the screen. So there yeah. might be a competitive edge um, with uh, not using this if you're playing Pathfinder. But I like to see the heirloom. I want to see the inspect. And I think that the animations are super cool. And Pathfinder is always great. So it, it definitely gets high marks for me. Yeah, when you drop down on somebody and start swinging your hands down right on their head, it's a pretty fun uh, combo to finish somebody off. Let's talk Caustic's Death Hammer now. As we know, Caustic used to work at Vincent Dynamics. This company is responsible for rebuilding Ash following the battle for Typhon. There is also a rare animation of the heirloom which shows a spider crawling out of the hammer. This is likely a callback to Caustic's official death certificate 
where it is written that the previously named Alexander Knox was killed by a spider toxic venom on Gaia. It is still unknown the exact origin of the hammer, but it's infused with caustic secret recipes, so it's safe to assume it wasn't a gift from a friend. It's a cool one. This one's really cool. Like, it's it's definitely scary. It fits caustic very well, um, but it's got some cool inspects. I mean, it's pretty much, it's almost like uh, mirages because it's essentially caustic's face put onto a hammer with <laughs> Nox gas. So it's like, it's very much into his identity, um, and it's just a gruesome weapon. Like, using a sledgehammer in hand-to-hand combat, Ooh. that's no joke. No it's joke. One of those ones that's really intimidating when it comes up at you. As someone starts swinging a sledgehammer at you full speed. Uh, are you kidding me? That thing is intimidating as heck. And we get a little bit more lore on the spider in the most recent quest, which we're not going to spoil right now. But it is cool to see that connection is coming a little bit more uh, full circle right now, which is really, really fun. Next, we have Gibraltar's Batu War Club. This one we know a fair bit about its actual origin and its creation. It was custom built by Nicholas, Gibraltar's ex-boyfriend. The jade stone that's tied to the hilt of the axe is nicknamed Little Mouse, which is a callback to Gibraltar's childhood and the story of the Little Mouse that we covered in our breakdown of Pathfinder's Quest. Yeah. Gibraltar's... I do not understand why this heirloom got some pushback when it came out. It it really did. And I think people were a little frustrated with the constant blades coming into the game. But oh my goodness, is this one beautiful. You can speak to it more if you want. But the Damascus steel infused with the fire. Oh my gosh. Top tier, I think. It looks pretty cool. And when we talk about unique inspects, I think Gibraltar's heirloom has the coolest where he can actually pull off his gun shield and look at it in front, which is really epic because that's you're actually getting to see your skin where a lot of times we recommend spending those coins, that crafting on weapon skins because you actually get to see it. You don't get to see your your legend skin when you're running around but if you have gibraltar's heirloom you can actually look at the shield which can be really unique from a sled to like a fence with the frankenstein skin to all sorts of cool ones with his physical edition um it's a really cool inspect yeah before we got the emotes into the game this was the only way to see a skin and that was a first and that was really really cool for us to see i think you said it potentially on the main episode as well when we talked about the heirloom just like guys this is something to really look at and notice that they can animate this and Mm -hmm. this is not an incredibly easy thing to do but it was really awesome to see get added into the game okay mangalore's pilot knife cold steel sergeant anita williams took this knife off of a defeated combatant during her time as an imc soldier Wraith and Bangalore had a run-in on a dropship before a season of the Apex Games where Wraith revealed she was a pilot and may be able to unlock intelligence from the knife and the pilot it belonged to. Bangalore snapped and got very upset at Wraith essentially for being a pilot and perhaps being a part of the people who are the reason for her brother Jackson's missing slash dead. Missing, I hope, though. Jackson and Anita were incredibly close and Bangalore clings to the potential that he may still be alive. 
Back to her heirloom, we also know that she added a bit of her own flair with bottle caps on the sheath of the weapon. These were a present from her, his brother, Jackson, as we know from Pathfinder's Quest. To elaborate, the bottle caps are a family tradition where before a member is deployed on mission, they throw a party and afterwards share a beer together, culminating in the tying of a leather bracelet with the bottle caps uh, around the deploying soldier's wrist. Most of Bangalore's family is on the gridiron, which is a 20-year trip away. That is why she plays the games to save up money for the trip home. I'm surprised how much information there is in this one based on that we haven't gotten the stories from the outland. This is kind of like the first heirloom where we got a lot of information just in comic book lore, pretty much. Yeah, you know, coupled with the Pathfinder's Quest book, we were able to put together a lot of pieces as to what is this heirloom, what is this knife. Um, I think it doesn't necessarily look like a data knife. Um, Wraith believed that it was. So the jury is still out on maybe it is. Um, But that was a really cool question to consider that, man, this could be another, you know, throwback to something cool. Uh, from the Titanfall universe, where there could be some pretty epic inspects. I know in Titanfall, like you could do some really cool stuff uh, with a data knife. So it, it's definitely an underrated heirloom. I think Bangalore's underrated legend. Um, and so I think this is a great one for her. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe uh, we'll get more in the story as well on who the pilot was. Maybe we know him from Titanfall. Yeah. Maybe We'll find out in the future that it is a data knife. And like Wraith said, there's really cool information on there. I think there's a lot more to this weapon. And I'm not a huge Bangalore player, but man, if I had this heirloom, I would love to be because it's a really, really cool one in game with her tossing it up as she's running Mm -hmm. around and stuff. It's fantastic. It's also can't move on without saying if she really did kill a pilot and take this knife from her. Bangalore's power rating goes up a lot. So I don't know. I think we're going to learn more about the story. So I don't want to jump to that extreme. But if that's really true, wow. Because pilots are, they're no joke. Mm -hmm. No doubt. Last heirloom we have released to date is Revenant's Scythe called Dead Man's Curve. Now, little is known about this scary curved blade that Rev wields. Typically with heirlooms, we receive an extra bit of lore that open up new stories from the legends. This has not yet happened for the murder bot, but we're still holding out hope. We do know, however, uh, a lot about Revenant's backstory. That Revenant was at one point a syndicate hitman and the most successful one at that. He potentially uh, was a human, uh, but the mercenary syndicate and Hammond Robotics simulacrumed him to continue ruthlessly killing and programming his mind to unknowingly be a robot. Simulacrumed. I like that word. We've I think. used it before. We're using it some more. It's the best one out there. I, what other better option is there? Yeah, I'm it's a verb. Yeah. Yeah. But. It's a verb. Pretty sure. Now, this is an interesting story um, with Revenant. Now, mm-hmm. his programming failed eventually to reveal to himself that his identity was actually his nightmares of a gruesome robot-killing machine. Revenant realized that he was living a lie, believing he was human from thinking he had a tongue to having bacon in the fridge. But what wasn't made up was the horrible deaths that Revenant experienced and 
remembered. He learned that his consciousness would be re-uploaded to a new body each time he died, and a new target would be inputted to his mind to kill, completely untraceable. As Revenant chased down his overlords and creators to kill them all for revenge for his torturous life over 288 years, after he killed countless Hammond employees, he realized that he couldn't satisfy his anger or stop his endless life. So for 25 years before the Apex Games even started, he fell off the radar. We don't know where he was. Then Hammond Robotics sponsored a legend in the games. This infuriated Revenant, so he came out from hiding to raid multiple Hammond facilities, killing everyone he found, ending with the televised assassination of Forge, the next legend. Then, instead of hunting Revenant down and attempting to stop his source code from replicating itself into a new body, the Syndicate decided to encourage him to compete in the games. The sad part is that Revenant never really escaped his programming of serving Hammond and the Syndicate in his participation in the games as an invincible murdering machine. It's kind of, you know, he's trapped. And there's a lot of questions as to, yeah, like, was Revenant a human or Mm -hmm. is he an AI that was based off of a human? Is this a person who's trapped in a simulacrumed body? Perhaps. Maybe we are leaning towards that, but we don't really know. Like we know Ash was a living person, you mm-hmm. know, that became simly simulacrumed. But we don't know for sure with Revenant, just because we don't know his backstory 100%. But back to his heirloom. Historically, a scythe or a sickle was used by farmers to cut their crops or reap them. The legend of the Grim Reaper became a skeletal figure who wielded a scythe to reap human souls. That sounds a lot like Revenant to me, and I think it's a great fit. I think the funniest thing about this is we know Rev has so, so many bodies for every time he dies. Yep. Does he just have a million scythes lying around through the Outlands? Like, does he carry one everywhere? And anytime he gets dropped, he just respawns with a new one? Or is it one scythe and then his first mission is, oh man, I got to go finish my old job and track back down that god darn scythe. Hopefully nobody crazy has used my weapon to kill anybody or else I'll get framed for even more murders. I think it's a a potential tough path for Rev. Yeah. We know so much about Revenant's psyche. You know, what he thinks about the torture that he's gone under uh, mentally through the loading screens. And I think that's something to remind people of that there is a ton of text to go through in these loading screen images where you really get to know the legends that are in this game. And with Revenant, I think there's not a better example. So that's pretty cool. And outside of that, this is a very scary heirloom that is terrifying to see in game and Mm -hmm. has some really cool inspects with it being able to essentially come apart and wheeled all over and like a tornado. It, it's really a cool animation. It looks great. Okay, let's talk heirlooms in general for a second, though. We're not going to go through a rank them or anything. I, we're pretty consistent with telling you guys that, like, what heirloom should I get? Who do you play the most? Like, it's a, I think that's the best way to answer it. Get the heirloom for your main. Get the heirloom for your second main. 
in that way. But I think it's fun to talk about the lore behind these, understand and learn a little bit more about them. I know that you're obviously, when you get one, you're going to go Gibby. That's the main. What's second, though? What would be yeah. the second one if you got a, if you had the choice between any of them? I'm very curious. Yeah, I mean, getting a second heirloom for me at this point means I would have to buy it pretty much. Or I'd have to buy a lot of packs. So I don't very necessarily lucky. see it as a huge possibility. But at this point, there's a ton of good options. If mm-hmm. I don't want to take them all from you, so you have a chance. So you're good. Take I them all. You could have them all. Yeah. I yeah. like this one and this I'll, one. And I'll this take one. all of them. <laughs> yeah. Um. Honestly, I like Mirages a lot. Yeah. I think that mm-hmm. it's cool. I don't play enough Mirage to actually justify it. And so a smarter bet would be Octane because mm-hmm. I think that's a really, really cool one. And so. I'll go with Octanes, but if I could just get over myself and play even more Mirage, I think his is the best. Yeah, Mirage is so awesome. He would definitely be like, I would seriously be thinking about it if I got another one. Um, Bloodhounds also up there as well. And we talked about the axe just being fantastic. Um, I'm excited for our future heirlooms, though. I think that we could have some really cool ones coming yeah. up with crypto on Watson yeah. uh, to the point where if you got them, maybe it's worth picking up that play style a little bit more and having some fun. If those heirlooms really, uh, you know, convince you to spend 150 bucks on the collection event and grab one for yourself. A sword would be pretty epic. I can yeah. tell you that. It'd be pretty cool. Okay. We're going to wrap it up now with some five-star questions. If you want your question answered on the show, leave it in the form of a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to guarantee it gets on here. First question coming from Jimmy. What do you guys think about adding a Twitch screen on Apex Legends home screen with all recommended and live Apex streamers to boost the popularity for Apex content creators? Interesting idea. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I like this idea of integrating, you know, content creators directly into the game. Traditionally, we've seen creator codes as a way to revenue share and kind of elevate uh, the larger voices. But this is interesting because this would require kind of a social partnership between Twitch and Respawn and EA Mm -hmm. to work together to cross promote. So this would be kind of a major marketing move um, that I think would be cool to see. It'd be I interesting. Like My only like concern with it is, is is it gonna require streamers to go not mature rated content and have them be E for everyone or in that T zone? Because it's yeah. probably not a great look for respawn if they are advertising someone and then they somebody clicks right onto that one and immediately, you know, you hear a couple swear words or something if you're a kid. I feel like they could just get in trouble doing something like yeah. that, which would be like a little thing we'd have to iron out potentially like if it had like do you have to be an agreed upon content creator or do you just have to not be mature essentially like yeah be rated for everyone really crazy to me is that games are rated based off of you know age requirements that's this Mm -hmm. big board of review um but other games are rated m for mature based off the content that's in the single player Call of Duty is mature, there's cursing, there's violence, there's serious adult topics, Mm -hmm. but the multiplayer is unrated because you can't rate what Henry and Jay are going to tell you over voice chat because 
he can't guarantee it's going to be for everybody. Yeah. Um, Apex is rated T for teen, mm-hmm. but has no single player. Yeah. How That's did they why do it's that? Weird. Yeah. How did they do that? This should be an unrated game in my eyes on how I understand it. But I don't know how they did that. Like, it must be the voice lines were processed to be yeah. appropriate for teenagers. Mm-hmm. But you can't experience those without you're in going in multiplayer. So it's mm-hmm. very weird to me that they were able to get away with that rating. But yeah, Jimmy, any way to get content creators working inside Apex is cool. Maybe someday you'll see the podcast at the top of the bar. <laughs> We'd love to see it. Next question coming from Texas Dover. Guys, great show based on real content and numbers, not rumors. Keep it up. My question is, what are your thoughts about just like Respawn expanding the ability for more characters to scan the survey beacon, expanding the number of characters who can open extended supply bins? Example, Loba is a thief and she can't open them. Doesn't really make sense. It would change the meta in arenas. Also, Spitfire save lives. Ha ha ha. <laughs> no, I, it's a really good point. Like with Loba, we talked about it when she kind of first came into the games. Like, how's Loba gonna work with like the vaults? Like, she is a by lore. It would make a lot of sense for her to be able to get in. And I would say it makes a lot of sense for her as a looter to be able to get into supply bins theoretically. Yeah. But then, you know, it's a rabbit hole. Can crypto hack them and open them as well? Um, it, it's a tough thing to be. There's some kind of lore things in the game that can be get a little like blurred on the lines. But I think this would be a fun one as the Loba yeah. example, at least. I'm happy with the current number of legends that can scan the survey beacon. We just got one. Like, I'm happy yeah. with that. But I think this question also bleeds over to this idea that we want more support legends. That's what yep. I'm spending it as. And we just hosted a legend concept competition for our patrons and ammo won with a support legend. That was really, really cool. So I would love to see that as the next legend or the one after that, because this idea of support and maybe playing into these extended supply bins is something that we should definitely explore. I agree. Last question coming from Bobby. Hello, I've been a player since season five and for all that time I've wanted a solos mode. So I wanted to know how y'all feel about a solos BR mode. If you could add it to the game, would you? I would like to know your thoughts. Also, great job on the podcast. Love it. Keep up. Great work. Thanks for the question. It's one that way back in the day, we were getting a lot because Mm -hmm. a lot of people at the time were um, experiencing the temporary solos modes and were really hyped up about it. Um, and at that time and after that time, we were pretty hard on the stance that that's not healthy for the game. We know for a fact now that the data shows us that new player retention plummets when there's a solo mm-hmm. mode out. It's not as fun. Apex is a team game. We don't want to promote that. Has your mind changed over time, Shay? Um, you know, the whole player retention thing is like, that's tough and I understand and I don't I wouldn't say my mind has changed fully. I mean, LTM anything's possible. Yeah. Hard though now with it taking over the playlist entirely to say it. My even larger concern with solos is it just sucks for some characters that are fully yeah. reliant on being a part of a team. You know, and that's just not I think where we want to be and I didn't 
have such a great time in solo so that I've been pining for it ever since in just hoping for it to someday come back personally. But what about you? Has your mind changed at all? Well, I, I agree that I haven't been wishing for it at all. I don't miss it. Um, I think that I get a lot out of duos and duos is actually probably more fun than solos is just because you can actually control positioning to some extent. Um, and it's, you know, faster looting. I think I enjoy duos. Um, but I think my mind has changed a little bit on the stance of this idea of data and player retention and player base size dictating the game play choices. Um, I don't really rely on that anymore um, as justification, but I do think that solos isn't what Apex is. And that, mm -hmm. like you said, it hurts some of the legends. It, it's not balanced. It's not how the game should be. And introducing it full time would seriously mess with the meta. And yeah. you'd have to do something for that. So at this point, I don't see it on the horizon as a permanent new mode. If we were doing non-takeovers or something where it was a completely separate playlist, I think you'd be more likely, uh, Bobby, to get me to answer that I'd like to see it back at some point. But a ton of reasons for what we both said of why it doesn't make a ton of sense. That's our episode, though. Thank you all so much for listening. Subscribe on Apple Pods. Give us a follow on Spotify. Leave a five-star review with your question. We'll answer it on our next episode. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Third Party Pod. Check us out on Discord via the link in the description. Thank you so much for listening to the Third Party Podcast. Catch you next time. Peace. Hey, now, another squad coming in. Boom, whole squad down. Hey, brother, not today. Maybe tomorrow.